Boker Tov, we're now beginning the third parak of Masachat Tanit, and as we encountered in the second parak, the entire chapter of Mishnayot is presented first, and that will occupy about half of this morning's session. So we will go through all the Mishnayot, but we'll focus on the first few, because that's the Gemara that we'll study today, and as we go through the Gemara, we'll review those Mishnayot that are being discussed. <clears throat> Our parak is focused on other causes for fasts, not just uh, delayed rain, but uh, interruptions of rainfall and other threats that require fasting. Seder Taniyot Elu Hamur Birviyari Shona. So the uh, series of fasts that we discussed in the previous parak and in the first parak with the schedule only applies to the beginning of the rainy season. But let's say we have plants that, because of a uh, cessation of rain in the middle of the rainy season, or suspension of rain, they start looking strange or, act, or growing in a weird way. We immediately go through to the third stage of fasting with the hatraot and the shofarot, perhaps, or the calling out and the full day fast, etc., if there's a 40-day break between rainfall, then we immediately go into what we're calling step three, or stage three fasting. That already indicates a drought. So if rain fell that was sufficient for plants, but not for trees, meaning light rain, but not heavy rain, uh, or just heavy rain, but which is too strong for the plants. Or they were, you know, there's enough rain for those, but not enough rain for the reservoir, for the cisterns, etc. Um, so then there is an immediate cause for alarm and for hatra'ah. Um, and in, indeed, if you have one city that hasn't had rain, the famous pasuk in Amos that we saw in the previous paragraph, the first first pasuk on the page, um, I'll make it rain on one city and another city. I will not make it rain. The Gemara immediately will will deal with that pasuk, etc. So that means that the area that is not getting rain is itself considered under a drought. So the city that's not getting rain goes through the full Tanit and the Shofarot. We're going to read uh, Hatra'ah as Shofar. The neighboring cities fast, but they don't do Hatra'ah. The Kivon read the opposite. So they sound the Shofar, but they don't fast. Here we're going to deal again with local troubles, a plague or uh, a cave-in. That city itself does Ta'anit and Hatra'a, and all the neighboring cities only do Ta'anit, or Bekiv American, the opposite. They only do the Shofarot, but not the fast. Now, Ezehu Dever, how do we define a plague? It has 500 citizens. If you have three days in a row with one person dying, then uh, that's already considered a plague. If you have less frequency than that, then it's not called a plague. Good. The next Mishnah, So the following are always immediate cause for full fasting and calling out and tefillah. Which is a 
blight of sorts. Which is another sort of uh, edema, um, another kind of uh, plant disease. Which is two different kinds of uh, locust plagues. Wild animals. There's war. So everyone who's in the area has to do the full fast because it's a, a plague that spreads. There was a story about this kinim that went to their cities from Yishalayim because they, they declared a tanit because in Ashkelon they found one particular plant with some blight on it. And they made a fast throughout the land because the uh, there was a report of wolves eating two children on the other side of the Yardin. It wasn't because they ate them, it was that they, they saw wolves in the vicinity of, uh, of habitation, and immediately declared a fast. So this these stories uh, support the the contention that for these things there was immediately fast, and the fast is not local, but it's national. For the following, this was the special was quoted earlier, we have Hatra'ah. Which in this case we interpret as being not shofar, but calling out. If a city is surrounded by uh, troops or is surrounded by a river, if there's news that a, a, ship, a ship is sinking at sea, here the calling out is specifically for help and for assistance, um, but not for tefillah. In other words, the calling out is either to gain. Uh, assistance to call people to come and help. Shimon said that also for a regular plague, uh, there we would uh, do this hatra on Shabbat, but the Chachamim did not accept that. Any sort of trouble that happens to the Tzibur, we do this hatra. Unless there is too much rain. For that we don't, we don't do the hatra. Masesh, a famous story, Choni, who was a charismatic from the Galil, uh, became known because of this story as Choni Hamagel, Choni, the circle maker. He palal shiyadug shamim. They said to him, you should pray that it'll rain. So he immediately was so confident it was going to rain, he told everyone to bring their, their vessels into the house so that they don't get uh, uh, eroded by the rain. He davened, there was no rain. He made a circle, drew a circle, and he stood in the middle. He said, God, your children have looked to me, because I'm like a member of your household. I swear that I'm not going to walk out of this circle until you have compassion for your children. So it started drizzling. I didn't ask for drizzle. I asked for rain that's going to fill up the reservoirs. So the torrents came down. I asked for pleasant rain. Rain that indicates a blessing. So then they started, it started raining properly. So everyone went into Harbayit to be protected from the rain. And so then they came to Choni and said, we've had enough rain, and now please pray that it should stop. Which is why this is mentioned here, because we said this, the one thing we do not have hatra'a for is too much rain. Go see if the rock that's used to um, 
to to uh, there was a place where people would come if they had any tanav claim that they had lost something. Go see if that rock has already melted from the rain. Shemun Shetach, who did this with other people, also said, if you were not the great Choni, I would have thrown you in Cherem because of your very chutzpidic kind of approach. You have such a close relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he forgives you right away. It's a reference to you that the Pasuk and Mishlei says, Your father and your mother, those who gave birth to you, rejoice. Good, the last Mishnah in our parak. So let's say that they were fasting for rain and it started raining. So if it began raining at night before the sunrise, then they, they don't continue their fast. But if it already became daylight, then they're in a fast. They continue the fast till the end of the day. That is Tanakhama. That if it began raining in the morning, then they already break the fast. If it's in the afternoon, they continue and finish the fast. So Lud, which is Rabbi city, they made a Tanit because there was no rain. It started raining mid-morning. Amarlehem Rabbi Tarfon, Rabbi Tarfon, who was in Lod, said, He told them to go and eat and drink and make a celebration because of the rain. They came evidently to the Beit Midrash in the afternoon after having eaten, and they read Halel Hagadol. Um, and, uh, of course, they couldn't do that beforehand because you have to, as the Rambam points out in Parashim Mishnayot, that uh, you cannot say Hallel on an empty stomach. You have to be uh, satiated and, and, and celebrating in that way. And so, therefore, it was only after the rain had fallen and they had gone to celebrate that they came and said Halal HaGadol. The reason for Halal HaGadol is because it's penultimate line, Noten Lechem L'Chobasar Kedolam Chasdo. That is, of course, chapter 136 in Psalms. Uh, is the seems to be the key message of that parak, which is that God feeds everyone, and that of course is associated with the with the rain. Good, that's the parak of Mishnayot. So the beginning of the Gemara, which we will tackle today, deals first of all with the opening line, which puts the caveat on the previous parak and said that that's only about Raviyah Rishonah. Now Raviyah, remember, is the first wave of rain. We dealt with this in the first parak. Raviyah Rishonah is either on the 7th of Marcheshvan, or the 17th of Marcheshvan, right, or perhaps Rabbi Yossi said it could be as late as Rosh Chodesh Kislev. So, um, that really doesn't seem to fit the bill of when this uh, first series of fasts are, because the first series of fasts uh, continue through the third Riviyah. Right? The first Riviyah is, um, is when you start asking, and the third Riviyah, by that time we're fasting. All right, so the Gemara says, So the third Raviyah, the third wave, is when you start fasting. So the series of fasts in the first parak, when does it happen? When the first three Raviyot have come and no rain. But if they, it did rain during the first Raviyah, and they planted, and they, things did not grow properly, you know, they grew and then they started looking strange again because there was no rain afterwards. That's what our Mishnah means. And I interpreted, I explained it that way when we began the parak. 
When Nachman says, by the way, when the Mishnah says, if the plants became strange looking, that's when you fast, but not if they withered. So, Pshita, Nishtanu, and that's obvious, because after all, it says Nishtanu. So, Lotzricha Da'akum, because we're talking about a case where they already started um, becoming part of a stalk. I might think that uh, that becoming part of a stock is itself significant enough. Kamash uh, Malan therefore comes to teach us that it is not significant enough. Um, and uh, and then uh, and 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 that these these particular plants are never going to get better. I might think that once they're in a stock, they're already have a possibility of growing properly. So Kamash Malan, that they don't, and they're already finished, and now I don't look at them as Nishtanu, but just sort of plants that aren't going to make it. Alright. What is a... How do we define a drought? It means that this lack of rain for 40 days is a plague that's going to lead to drought. It's not itself the drought. Nachman, Nahara Anahara Batsorta. So Nachman tries to define the difference between a drought and a famine. It says that Nahara uh, Benahara, meaning, and there's several ways to interpret this, we'll take one Derech of Rashi, which is that if the uh, there's food down the river, meaning you don't have it locally, but as a result of the famine, but you could you could get it from another town by by river, then that's called a Batsoret, a drought. Medinta, Medinta, but if you have to go to another country to get it, then Kafna, that's already a famine. If you could buy one say of wheat for a sela, which is a high price, and it's available, that's a, that's a drought. If it's four, four slaim for a sela, which is an exorbitant price, and it's also not available, then kafna, that's already a famine. He says, all of this is only true if people have access to food. Well, ma'ot biyoker, but if to money, sorry, but if people do not have access to money, even if perot pezol, even if the food is cheap, that is immediately cause for a full fasting process. He said, I saw when there were uh, the price was for sa'in besela, and there were uh, people who were dying of, of hunger in Tiberia. Why? Because nobody had any money. If you don't have money, having the things, even if they're available, uh, doesn't help. Good. The Mishnah said that if the rain fell down in amounts that was good for plants, but not for trees, for trees, but not for plants, for both of them, but not for reservoirs, and then the Gemara assumes the opposite also for reservoirs, but not for the others, then all of that is considered inappropriate, not good rain, and needs immediate attention, unless proper amounts fell for all of those. I understand what what rain that's good for plants and not for a tree is. That's talking about where it comes very lightly, like a light drizzle, but it doesn't come uh, in a heavy rain. A tree, good for trees and not good for plants. It comes heavy and doesn't come light. I also understand how it could come for different plants, but not for reservoirs. It comes in big torrents and a very light mist, but not enough to fill it up. It means there's not a significant enough amount to fill up the reservoirs. 
Brighta takes the opposite piece, so the inverted piece, which is if enough rain fell for reservoirs, but not for the plants, how could you have that? The answer is, it all came in one big torrent, and it was too quick and too heavy to successfully water any of the plants, but it did fill up the reservoirs. Right. Which means, essentially, you need different kinds of rainfall for it to be successful, you need rainfall which is light and sort of misty, and you need rainfall that's torrents, and you notice and rainfall that's in almost a deluge at one point to fill up the uh, the aquifers. We, uh, if the trees are not doing well, we fast on their behalf and call out, etc. Uh, even after Pesach, al haborot v'shichinim arot afilu prosachag, even on Sukkot time. If there is not enough water, then there's hatra immediately. What's miyad? Meaning, you immediately go to the first Monday, then Thursday, Monday. But all of these are only local. Meaning, if there's no water here, then right here, that that's where we that's where we uh, is like a district. That's where we fast. The askarab is man There's certain kind of uh, disease. If it's killing people, that's only if it's killing people. In any case, locusts, whatever the size of the locust and the size of the plague, we immediately fast. Even other kinds of locusts. So according to the Tanakhama, if the trees are not doing well during any of the six years of Shemitah, we fast, and if the reservoirs are not filling up, even during Shemitah, we fast. He says, even the trees during Shemitah, because after all, the poor have to eat from there, and they have to live too, so we have to fast. We have another bright that says the same thing. So the trees and also the bushes, if they're not doing well, <coughs> then that's something that we fast for because the anim have to eat from them. Tanya, Parta. Rain became um, much more scarce. Sometimes there's lots of rain, sometimes there isn't. Sometimes the rain comes in the proper time, sometimes it doesn't. What, what is a year where the rain falls in the proper time? What's it like? It's like a slave who got paid on Sunday. And so that means that the bread he's going to prepare for Shabbat will be done properly and be eaten properly. But if it doesn't rain in the proper time, what's it like? It's like a servant who got paid at the last moment on Shabbat. So the bread isn't the bread isn't baked properly. So it's not eating eaten properly. All right, so in the same way, the uh, the if the rain's late, it confuses all of the seasons, etc. When you have a season with lots of rain, what's it like? It's like a master who has given his uh, servant all of his needs at one shot. So it turns out that the as a result, 
the uh, the mill is going to uh, um, and the mill will always be grinding um, uh, the proper amount. And so, therefore, the bread will be plentiful in that way. It's a, rain, a season with very little rain. It's like a servant who was given just a little bit of parnasa at one time, a little bit at a time. It's like somebody who's making mortar, if he has lots of water, he has no end of water, and the mortar is mixed well. The water disappears. So in other words, just everything depends on the rain, and if it doesn't rain properly and, and plentifully, then the entire season is, is, um, is confused. It's a beautiful story that's um, built upon the famous story in Tanakh about Yehoshua making the sun stand still. One time, all of Am Yisrael made Aliyah to Yerushalayim, and there wasn't enough water for them to drink in Yerushalayim. Halach Naktimon ben Gurion, one of the wealthy men of Yerushalayim, Naktimon ben Gurion, he went to one of the Roman governors. I want to rent from you, borrow from you, 12 wells. I'll give you back 12 wells. If not, I'll give you 12 uh, talents of silver, which is a lot of money. They made a deal until a particular date. By a particular date, he would have to pay him if he couldn't bring him the water. The day came and hadn't rained, and it rained all season. That's why there was no rain during the regal. So the governor sent a message to Nakdimon in the morning, either water or pay up. He sent back a message saying, I still have time. I have the whole day till the end of the day. In midday, the governor sent him. Same message. I still have till the end of the day. At the end of the day, he said. I still have till the end of the day. So this governor started laughing. Oh, year there hasn't been any rain. He thinks it's going to rain now. So he went into the bathhouse happy, knowing he's going to get paid 12 talents of silver when he gets out. So the picture of the Roman governor going into the bathhouse and Naktimon ben Gurion walking into the Beit HaMikdash in two opposite frames of mind, the contrast could not be starker. He stood and he davened, he wrapped himself up and davened. He said before, you, should, you know, of course, that I didn't do this for myself or for my family's honor, but I did it for your honor. So people who make Aliyah or Regal make the pilgrimage to the Beit HaMikdash will have water. So immediately the heavens became thick with clouds. And immediately, twelve wells, those same twelve wells, filled up with water and overflowed. 
And again, we have the two. The Naktil and Goyan live in the Beit HaMikdash, and afterwards, the governor leaving the bathhouse. And so Naktil and Goyan said to him, now you owe me money because the wells are now overfilled. They're filled more than I, than I borrowed from you, than I took from you. So the governor said, I know HaKadosh Baruch Hu made everything crazy in this world with a sudden rainstorm for you. However, you still owe me money. After all, the sun already set. And therefore, the wells reverted to me. And so therefore, when it rained, it rained into my wells, which means you still owe me the money. So Nakdimon ben Gurion walked back to the Beit Hamikdash. Kodesh Baruch Hu, please let people still know that you have people that you love in this world. The clouds immediately separated, and this is again akin to Choni moving things in both directions. The clouds separated, and the sun came out. So the Roman governor said to him, if the clouds had not parted and the sun shone, I still would have been able to get my money out of you. His name really wasn't Naktimon, his name was really Buni. Why was he called Naktimon? That the sun stood still for him, or shone through for him. So There's three for whom the sun stopped. So that's the truth of the story that we just heard. Sure, Nami Krai Yoshu is the famous Pasuk that we have on our page. It is Pasuk uh, number three, uh, which Tupsukim in Yahushu Yod. Shemesh Bikivon Dom, famous passage. And how do I know that Moshe had the sun stand for him? In the case of Moshe, it says, now I am going to begin to put your fear on the nations around you. In context of Yoshua, it says, today I'm going to raise you up, begin to raise you up as I did to Moshe. He has a different Zereshava. In reference to Moshe, he says, Today I'm going to begin to give your fear. That the sun stopping was on the day that Hashem gave the Emorit to Bnei Israel. He says it's from the Pasuk itself. Moshe is told, Today I'm going to give your fear in that same Pasuk, which is uh, Pasuk number. Um, Number four on the page, that uh, they will hear and they they will hear and they will shake and they will fear in your presence. When is that? When the sun stopped for Moshe. There is also a midrash in the context of um, of the parsha of Amalek that yadav This is this week's parsha, so it's very appropriate at the end of this week's parsha. yadav He held his hands up. Uh, stable and trustworthy until the sun set, uh, and then when in later later it says Ktov Zodzi Karon Basefa Vesimbos Ne Yoshua, so the Midrash says that as Moshe said to Yoshua, Halavai, the sun should stand for you as it stood for me. That the idea is that the sun stood still 
for Moshe as he kept his hands up to allow Bnei Israel to complete their fighting against Amalek. And that, of course, is what famously happened to Yehoshua. Uh, continuing on, the next Mishnah said, So he said, if one city had the rainfall, and they quoted the Pasuk from Amos. There's the Pasuk in Amos that says, it'll rain on one place and it won't rain on another. Both of those are curses. In the first parak we saw what that meant, that it won't rain on one, and on the other one it's going to dump way too much rain. Now, then it goes through several psukim that sound negative that we interpret positively. Yishalayim was like a nida among the nations. They rejected her. This is a bracha. Just like a nida is only temporarily disconnect, uh, disassociated from her husband, so Yishalayim will also be restored. The opening pasuk of Echa. Yishalayim is like a widow. It's also bracha. Like a widow. It's like a woman whose husband went away on a trip. That's all after all that. He's going to return. So this pasuk that we have uh, on pasuk number eight from Malachi, I have made you lowly and and and, and disregarded. That's also bracha. That they never appoint any major officers or river captains or everything, anything from Amisrael, because they consider us too low. So that's good. We don't have these terrible jobs. So this pasuk uh, number nine that we have from uh, from Malachim Aleph Parakidalad, uh, Hashem who is going to attack Israel. This is what uh, Achiyah Shiloni says to Yaravam's wife when she comes in disguise. Just like the reed will move in the water. It's also a bracha. The pasuk in Mishlei, pasuk number 10, number 10 on the page, that the wounds of the lover are more trustworthy than the kisses of the enemy. What's that mean? That the curse that Achiyah Shiloni, who is an Ohev, gave us is even finer than the curse, than the blessings that are given to us by Bilam, who of course is an enemy. He cursed us as being like a reed. Just like a reed stands in a place of water and it's able to stand still and it's... Uh, its branches give and, and replenish themselves and has plenty of roots. No matter how much wind comes, it doesn't move. It moves with them. When the wind stops, it stands still. In other words, it shifts with the wind and then it stands still. Bilam blessed us as being like a, uh, like a cedar. So you see in the last pasuk on the page, Karazim Alemayim. Ma Erezeino made Makomayim. Just like a cedar cannot stand in a place of water. It doesn't replenish itself. It doesn't have a lot of branches, uh, roots. All the winds come when it moves it. When the southern wind comes, it just uproots it. Not only that, but a reed is very special because a reed is what's used to write Tanakh. 
to write a proper Kitvah Kodesh. And therefore, even the Klala given to us by somebody who loves us, Achiyah, that describes us as a lowly reed, is far finer than the most beautiful bracha given to us by our enemy, which is Bilam, which is that we are like a cedar, which is not flexible and is not able to move with the vicissitudes of exile and the tribulations of time. Everyone should have a wonderful day. Tomorrow, Mitzvah Shemi will continue at the end of Dafchaf Amud Aleph.